Good morning, everyone. Welcome. My name is Van. I'm the senior leader here, and uh, it's exciting to see you all here today. Uh, we have a really good day planned. We're going to have more worship later in the service where it will be an extended time of worship and uh, just can continue focusing on God for, uh, for, for, for a longer period of time. Uh, we have a great message today that Wilson's going to bring, and it, during that message, we're going to take a, a season of time to honor a member of our church, Deborah Shaw, who went to be with the Lord in February. Uh, yeah, yeah, Deborah was a wonderful, wonderful woman, an important part of things here, and um, she's missed, and so that will come up uh, later in the service. Now, if this is your first time here, uh, we're really glad you came, and uh, we want you to be able to relax. I'm not going to point you out or anything like that, uh, but we just want you to be able to relax, rest into what's happening here, enjoy God's presence, and just soak in his presence. Uh, we do have a gift for you out in the atrium. It's a welcome pack. If you stop out there at the Welcome Center before you leave and pick one of those up, um, uh, we have that prepared for you. would love to have you have one. And as well, there are Connect cards in the back of the seat chair in front of you. And if you're new and you feel free to do it, fill one of those cards out. I'll send you a letter this week. Uh, there's a place you can mark prayer requests down, and we will pray for those things as well. Um, if you've been coming for a while and you've never filled a Connect card out, that would be helpful to us if you would. would appreciate it if you would. So uh, we have an idea of who all we're pastoring here in this church. Now, two announcements. Uh, first, healing rooms. It's a new ministry. Well, it's really not a new ministry. It's a new form of our prayer ministry. It happens on the first Saturday night of every month starting at 530. And I'm not sure how long it runs, two hours. And so you come for uh, healing rooms, and you will get some focused time where someone will listen to you, uh, 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 two or three people who are trained will listen to you, and then they will spend extended time praying for you. It's a great time to come for physical healing issues, um, mental issues, emotional issues, whatever, whatever's in your life that you need prayer for. This is a great time to come and get some focused prayer. Now, the second thing I want to mention is the Culture of Heaven conference. That's coming up. We're less than three weeks away from this conference now, okay? And it's almost sold out. And th this is a different type of conference because it's not ours. When we've held conferences here, it's just been, just come and, uh, and, and you walk through the door. But this is a Culture of Heaven conference. They're putting it on. And you have to be registered to come. You have to. If you, don't, if you haven't registered, they won't let you in the door. And so if you've been planning on registering at the last minute, well, it's here, all right? This is the last minute, and I encourage you to go to, uh, you can read the information in a program, go to the Culture of Heaven uh, website, and you'll be able to register, find out how to use the special code. Uh, VCNW will give you a discounted um, registration fee. So there you go. That's coming up in a couple of weeks, two and a half weeks. Now we're going to watch a video about the conference, and then Wilson, one of our staff pastors, is going to come up and give the message. So after the video, when Will comes up, let's let's cheer for him and give him a big welcome. Okay. So not right now. Wait till after the video. <laughs> All right. Let's run the video, guys. Shadow, you won't light up 
Every characteristic that is in the heart of God and that is also in you and I springs out of love. It's all part of what love is. And when you are truly loving, you will be truly manifesting the values of the kingdom. And God breathe an aspect of himself in you. There's something unique. Some of you are artists, some of you are musicians, some of you are business people, some of you are homemakers. There's something that you have on the inside of you that will add a contribution that nobody else can add. To be saved, to be given that amazing sitting in heavenly places, one with Christ, is no effort whatsoever. It's His effort, His gift that we get to give away as a free gift. The greatest miracles that will ever happen in this church or any church is when the saints of God start praying for the people. That's what he's going to do. He's going to use the ordinary men and women to do extraordinary things so he gets the glory. And just like Abraham, we can say, look up, buddy. Look up. See what God has planned for you. The greatest lovers I thought you guys were going to stand. It was just a clap. All right, that's cool. Hey, good morning. Like my dad said, my name is Wilson. Um, I'm on staff here at the church. Been on staff since 2015. But I was actually like the third member ever of the church because my parents planted the church. So I was running around being a menace back in those days in 2001 and 2002. But yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you guys this morning. Um, We've been in a series for the past several weeks called Rise Above. And if you're you're here this morning and you haven't heard any messages in this series, there's something I want to do to kind of introduce this letter that we're studying. And to do that, I want to tell you about something I found a couple weeks ago when I was cleaning my garage. Can I give you a what-what for cleaning the garage? That was like a big deal. We moved into our house a year ago. And the bad thing about having a garage is it gives you a place to put all the, back, all the boxes you don't unpack. And so it's just like full of stuff. But I finally dove in there and I was cleaning, cleaning it out and throwing a lot of stuff away. And I found this uh, letter from my grandpa that was written to my dad. It was really, it's really cool because it's, it's cool for me to have this because I never got to meet my grandpa. He died a couple years before I was born. Um, but I'm actually named after him. So his, his name is Harry Wilson Cochran, and my name is Wilson Ricks Cochran, which is, yeah. So I'm named after his middle name. And it's, it's cool. I feel like I kind of carry some heritage from him. Even though I never got to meet him, just by having his name, I feel like an association with him, and it's really special to me. And as I, re- as I read the letter, 
it, it wasn't that I had never read it before, but something kind of dawned on me as I read it this time. And that was that this letter wasn't written to me. I, I realized, I, I, I guess I always knew it wasn't written to me, but I just kind of read it as this like historical document, you know? And I read it like, I guess it was written. I, don't, I, I never really had in mind that it was written to someone. Does that make sense? So when I realized, wow, this was written to my dad. There's like heartfelt things that my grandpa said to my dad in here. It was so special for me to get to read it. And I read it in a new way. And I read it like, wow, I'm being invited into this special thing. I'm being invited into something that the person who wrote it didn't necessarily think I would even ever read it. How special is that, that I'm getting to read something that wasn't even written to me? Now, in a sense, I would say it's still kind of written for me because I get a lot out of it, but it wasn't written directly to me. And man, when you, when you keep that in mind and you read this book thinking that way, it's a privilege. It's really special to read the Bible when we realize that, wow, we're kind of lucky to even have this. <laughs> like, this wasn't written necessarily with my name in mind. Now, the Holy Spirit had me in mind. But the person who wrote it, I'm getting to go into this special conversation they had with someone else or with this group of people. And it just makes me value the Bible that much more as I read it. So that is what the letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, we call it 2 Timothy, that's what that's like. He wrote this letter as a personal thing to a uh, son of his, a son in the faith, not a biological child, but kind of like a spiritual son. And we just get to jump in on their conversation. And there's all kinds of good stuff we can take from it. But I think if we don't realize that the intimacy and the purpose that it was written for somebody, then we can kind of miss a whole, um, a whole part of Paul's heart. Does that make sense? So this morning, if you have your Bible with you, is anybody like interested in what this says though? What the letter I said? Okay, I'm going to read you just a couple lines from it. So before I read Paul's letter to Timothy, I'm going to read just a couple of things from my grandpa's letter to my dad. Some good stuff. I'm going to kind of just jump, jump around in it, but for some of you guys, this will be interesting. So he says, this is, my, this is my favorite part of the letter. You mentioned the book of Romans. I read it a lot. I read the Bible every day, but come back to Romans nearly every day also. And then he says, there's one thing you might pray for me about. I don't know why, but I can't say biblical things to people. I can't say goodbye to people. I can't even say nice and loving things without crying. So he said, I can't say biblical things without crying. I can't say goodbye to people without crying. I can't say nice, loving things without crying. And then he said, I've asked the Lord to take this, and then he underlines and quotes, thing away, but it's always there. I make up in my mind so many things to say to people, but I can't talk when I try to say them. You know what that was? That was God's presence. That was the Holy Spirit resting on my grandpa and my grandpa's heart being in tune with God's heart. And that's cool, man. That's my heritage, to have a sensitive heart to the Lord. And it's, it's really a lot of what 2 Timothy is about. Paul is encouraging Timothy, hold on to your heritage. There's things that have been passed on to the people who've gone before you in your family line that are resting within you like a deposit. 
is resting within in you like something God has placed in you for you to give away to others and for you to steward, and it's been entrusted to you. And so let's read 2 Timothy um, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7 together, okay? If you have a Bible or if you have a glow-in-the-dark Bible, a.k.a. the Bible app. By the way, our, if you have the church's app, there's a really easy, quick link in the app to um, an online Bible. So that might be a convenient thing to download. All right, 2 Timothy 2, starting in verse 1. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men, who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Verse 7 is kind of like a cop-out. Paul's basically saying, look, if you don't get what I said, just ask God to tell you what it means. <laughs> and how many of you have ever read the Bible and been like, Lord, please tell me what this means because I do not get it? Anybody? All right. That's what my week was like preparing this message. I'm just like, man, I don't even know what I'm reading right now or what to say, but it's cool. It's like a promise for us. It's a thing we can take. And when we read something in scripture that doesn't totally connect, we can take it to God in prayer and say, Lord, will you open this up to me? Will you help me understand this better? And um, Paul is expressly telling Timothy, press in to hearing from God about what what this thing I just said means. You can read the Bible with your own logical mind and with your own knowledge and with your own context, and you'll miss at least half of what God wants to say to you through it. It's so important to understand the historical context. It's so important to understand what the um, original people would hear when they read what we're reading. But there's another kind of like dimension to scripture that can be unlocked for us that will always be backed up by scripture. If you read something in one place in the Bible and you can't find it anywhere else, then you're probably in trouble. But there's like, there's like deeper things we can find when we read the Bible with the Holy Spirit. That's, that's what I love about verse 7. Looking back at verse 2, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. What this verse reminds me of right away is uh, Dave King. Dave King was the executive pastor of the church for about five years. He uh, kind of shifted into another career last year, but he really played a, he was the executive pastor of the church and he played a really important role in my life. And what, what Paul is talking about here is he's saying, Timothy, the things that you have learned, you need to actually pass on intentionally to other people. Not just by them being around you, but by you sitting down and saying, hey, here's a skill you need to learn. Here's a truth about the gospel. Here's something Paul taught me that I need you to know so you can teach it to other people. So that the legacy can continue. And I feel like I carry on a part of Dave King's legacy. In that I've learned so much from him about how to ask questions. About how to counsel people. About how to be a good listener with others. I came in, I was like new on staff, I was new in ministry, and I just thought like, you just tell people what to do and they'll do it. (laughs) And I thought, okay, like, if someone says something back to you and it's stupid, you just tell them, that was dumb, here's the truth, blah, 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 blah. But 
I realized that that actually was stupid. <laughs> and that one of the keys to relationship with people is listening to them. And one of the keys to being a pastor and to being a good friend is to actually to be able to hear someone for what they are trying to say. And then even if you have to, to repeat that back to them to make sure that the communication that's happening is actually like, what is it intended to be? So I mean, that's just like a practical thing that I teach so many people. That's like the basics to me of friendship, of relationship, is being a good listener and listening to people well and trying to understand what they're trying to say. Anybody in here who's married knows that like 99% of conflict in marriage comes from you hearing something that the other person wasn't saying. (laughs) And man, like it saved my wife and I so much grief. Let it save us more grief, Lord. But when we stop and say, hold on, this is what I'm hearing you saying. Is this what you mean? So anyways, really quick practical marriage advice. That's like, if you just take that, and you leave, it's seriously worth it. But that's like something I learned from Dave King. That's part of something that I feel like he entrusted to me that I'm wanting to entrust to other people. I'm wanting to pass on to other people. Jump into verse four, or verses three through six, actually. I'm gonna read three through six again. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. You know, in other translations, Paul actually says, share with me in suffering. Share kind of implies that you're doing it with somebody. But it's interesting that Paul wasn't instructing Timothy to avoid suffering. He wasn't telling Timothy, avoid all the hard situations. Anything that looks like it's going to be challenging, you know you're not going the right way, turn around, go the other direction. In fact, Paul is in prison when he writes this letter. He's in prison for preaching the gospel. And he's telling Timothy, come visit me in prison. Now, what is Timothy's role in life right now? What is his job? He's a pastor. He's preaching the gospel. (laughs) So it's almost like, what? Like he's he's literally saying, come visit me and it's going to be a risk. There's a chance you're going to end up suffering with me. Who knows? They might lock you up with me. Good friend, Paul. Thanks a lot. (laughs) But he tells a man, suffering doesn't mean that you're not doing the right thing. Suffering doesn't mean that you're not going the right direction. And even, I think there's some people who need to hear that right now. You have been in a hard season of life. Things have not been going well. Maybe even like, and and all kinds of dimensions. I just want to encourage you, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going the wrong way. That doesn't mean you're not doing the right thing. That might actually mean that you're doing the right thing. And you're about to get like, you're about to break past that into something really awesome. So just don't give up. Now, sometimes we suffer because we do stupid things. If you're suffering because you did something stupid, then stop. (laughs) And don't take this as like all suffering is good. But verse four, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. So man, when you read four, five, and six, I'm just like struggling, trying to figure out what is Paul getting at? What is he, like, what's the driving force through these verses? What's he trying to get us to hold on to? And I read in a commentary that verse three is actually kind of like the context and the thing that prefaces the, the rest of um, four, five, and six. 
And what, part, what Paul's getting at is, hey, focus in on pleasing God even when you're suffering. It's so easy when we're suffering to start to focus on how to not suffer anymore. It's so easy that when stuff isn't going well to think, how do I escape the situation? How do I get somewhere more comfortable? Paul's saying, no, your aim is not to even please yourself. It's to please God. That's what you're commissioned to do. So that gives purpose to suffering. Because man, like the worst thing is to think that I'm suffering for no reason. So you might need to get alone with God. You might need to spend time with him and say, hey, Lord, give me strength. Show me how what I'm doing is actually advancing the kingdom. Even though there's pushback, even though there's resistance, even though this is hurting. And he'll speak to you. He'll reveal it to you. He's a good father. He wants you to have his perspective of things. He wants you to look at things from not just the microscopic view of what you're experiencing, but through what's going on around you too. But those are just like the things that jumped out to me on two, three, four, five, and six. You could tell I could probably like keep going on those. But the verse I want to camp out on here for about 10 or 15 minutes is verse one. So let's read verse one together again. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. If you've ever read any of Paul's letters before or any of the books in the Bible that Paul wrote, you know that talking about like grace and peace is this super common theme of Paul's. In fact, he starts every single letter he writes by saying something along the lines of grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. Every single letter. And usually he ends them too with saying, be sustained by God's grace. And if I'm going to be honest, I don't know if anyone else is willing to be honest with me, that I usually gloss over those verses. I'm usually, okay, this is his preface. This is like, dear so-and-so, let's get to the good stuff. Let's get to like what he's really talking about. But this week, those verses just were like so highlighted to me. Or that, that verse and those words, that, that specific word grace was so highlighted to me. And I really wanted to like stop and focus in on it. And I felt like Jesus was saying to me that, Wilson, the, your main source of strength in life will always be found in returning to the simple gospel of grace. You will always be strengthened if you just return to the simple message, the the fundamental basic message of my grace. And that is where our strength actually comes from. And I think that's what Paul is exhorting Timothy to do. He's saying, hey, don't overlook what God has done for you. Don't overlook grace. Stop there. Focus there. This is where you're going to get your strength. So let's dive in on grace. Does that sound good? I just want to say there's lots of different definitions of grace, but for, for me this morning, I'm not, when I say grace, the definition that I don't want to necessarily use, which I don't think it's a bad definition, but just not what I feel like is the heart of what I'm trying to communicate. I don't, I don't want to communicate that grace is unmerited favor, and I don't want to communicate that it's undeserved favor. The words I want to use is, the word I want to use to describe grace is it's unearned favor. Not unmerited, not undeserved, but that it's unearned favor. So just hold on to that as I go throughout, okay? So first, grace is different than mercy. It's so easy to equate the two. And they're really related, grace and mercy. And they often kind of go hand in hand and work together. 
But I, I really think there, there are distinctions and there are differences. Let me be real with you, man. Grace is one of those things that's kind of like you're constantly wrestling to really understand what it is. For me, at least, it's a little bit abstract. It's something I'm constantly, like this week, I felt like I was wrestling a like 300 pound giant to the ground to try and get some like clear things to communicate to you guys about grace. But I do think grace is different than mercy. A couple weeks ago, I was driving to my brother-in-law's house and it was kind of late at night. Well, not really late, but it was like nine and um, it was a Sunday. So I was just ready to get to be with my family. My wife was there. My daughter was there, her whole extended family. And so I was speeding and I was speeding down Winton Road. And there's this spot where the Winton um, Police Department, those guys, they like hide and they always get you. And I just flew past them when I'm passing the park. I flew past this guy, the officer. And I'm just going to be real with you guys, okay? I'm not proud of this. But I did not slow down after I passed him. <laughs> he didn't, his lights didn't immediately flash. I was like, if I speed up, maybe, you know, whatever. Like, I'll catch a street, get away. I was like, need for speed at this point. Um, fast and the Furious. And so... I keep going and I go up the hill. Then I turn left on Lake Ridge. If you know this area of town at all. And, I'm, and he is not, I don't see him. I'm like, wow, awesome. I'm home free. Like, great. Well, about two minutes later, the lights flash behind me. You know, somehow he found me. I don't know. Uh, and it probably wasn't really hard. Just follow the speeding Jeep. But he pulls me over. And man, I went into like straight pathetic mode instantly. I was just like, I am so sorry. Look, I was being sincere, okay? (laughs) And what I was being sincere was sincerely guilty. I was like, I'm so sorry. I know I was speeding. It was so stupid of me. He was like, I didn't even get to ask you, did you know the speed you're going? Like, you're already confessing. I was like, yeah, man, I I was definitely, I'm so sorry. And gave him my registration everything. He goes, he comes back. And he's like, hey, I'm going to let you off with a warning. And says, seriously, you got to slow down. That's like a place that accidents happen a lot, but slow down. Okay. I was like, I will. I don't. Yeah. Like, I'll slow down. And I really have been driving slower ever since that day, a couple, about a month ago. <laughs> seriously. But what happened in that moment was mercy. The officer gave me mercy. I deserved a ticket I was speeding, I was guilty, I deserved something, and he withheld that. That's mercy. I deserved a ticket, but he didn't give it to me. Okay, when my wife and I got engaged several years ago, we were eating dinner at a place, at Quaker Steak and Lube down the street here on Coleraine. Didn't know, like, we didn't tell anyone there that we'd, we had just gotten engaged. Um, we saw one person I knew, but we just had, like, a very brief conversation with him. It wasn't anything in depth. And he certainly didn't know this was like a really special day for us. Well, fast forward to the end of our meal. When we um, ask for our bill, the waitress just says, oh, it's been taken care of. Someone paid for it. Now that to me captures more the heart of grace. Okay. I was in need and someone supplied that need for me. And I didn't earn it. I didn't do something to work to get it. But someone, out of their kindness, paid for our bill. 
That to me captures more the heart of grace. It's when we're in need and God supplies our need for us and we get to keep going. That's grace. Grace pushes us forward. Grace is focused on our future. Mercy helps us deal with our past. But grace is about this moment and it's about going forward. It's about tomorrow. Does that make sense? Um, Mercy is focused on your past, but grace is focused on your future. All right. Grace is a gift, not a reward. Grace is a gift. It's not a reward. Because you earn a reward. You, a reward comes to you off of your performance, off of your merit. And the clearest example of this is the gift of salvation. That's not something that we earned. We didn't earn salvation, but God reached down to us. We didn't go it wasn't us going to him that got us salvation. Going to him, receive, we received salvation. We went and said, hey, I, I'll take what you're giving to me. And that's what grace is. It's, it's receiving from God what he wants to give. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, if you could pop that up on the screen behind me, says this. The ESV I'm going to read it in two different translations because I just like to, I think it helps us get it better. So for by grace, you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. You see, salvation doesn't come to us because we cleaned ourselves up and because we worked for it. It comes to us because God is good and he extends it. And this is what I'm talking about. This is that simple message that when we return to, we receive strength. Now, let's read it in the second translation that I have. This is a cool translation. It's called the Passion Translation. For it was only through this wonderful grace that we believed in him. Nothing we did could ever earn this salvation, for it was the gracious gift from God that brought us to Christ. So no one will ever be able to boast, for salvation is never a reward for good works or human striving. Isn't that good, man? Can't we, doesn't that just like, that gives you the, the ability to take a deep breath and to rest. You realize, man, I didn't get myself this favor from God. I didn't do something to make God love me. All I'm doing is saying, God, I'm gonna believe that. I'm gonna receive that truth that you love me and I'm gonna receive your son. It takes the pressure off, man. It gives us strength. So grace is a gift, not a reward. Um, gifts, are based on love and value that someone else sees in you. Gifts are given based off of of someone else's love for you and value that someone else sees in you. That's why I don't really love the don't really call to call grace unmerited favor or undeserved favor, because that kind of diminishes how God sees us. And I don't think that God looks at us and thinks like, oh, they're so terrible. They're so, like, even before we're saved, he looks at us with a kind heart. He looks at all humanity with love in his heart, and then he extends grace to them. So to say that they don't merit it makes grace all about us, when grace is all actually all about God. Grace reflects God's character. (laughs) Here's a great example of grace. My wife got us a free uh, play set. We have a one-year-old daughter. And um, we love taking her to the park and swinging and putting her on the slide and stuff. Um, even though she's one, you know, it's not super safe to put her on the slide, but <laughs> no broken bones yet. So my wife's like, hey, I got us this play set. Let's go get it. 
Um, someone, someone from the church is going to give it to us. We just got to go disassemble it. So I'm imagining, you know, an A-frame thing. Two poles, um, four hooks where you put two swings, and then like steps up to a slide. So this is like maybe in total 10 pieces of metal, a couple chains, and a swing. I wish that I had given the guys that make the slides pictures of this playset. But it was like, have you ever been to Corain Park? It was like this person had Corain Park in their backyard. And my wife's like, yeah, we'll take it. <laughs> Let's get it. So we're trying to figure out how are we going to disassemble this behemoth? And like, will it even fit in our backyard? I'm taking a tape measure out there, checking, you know. And we realized, wow, we don't even have a truck to transport this thing. How are we going to get it to our house? So my father-in-law, my wife's dad, luckily, he has a truck. And she talks him in to going yesterday morning at 7 a.m. to Westchester to disassemble and to pack up this playset so that our daughter can break her bones sliding down it, you know? No, I'm just kidding. That was a joke. But, and I was thinking about how, like, awesome and kind, and we did it. We went there really early yesterday morning. I talked her into eight, okay? But we went yesterday morning and disassembled this whole playset and brought it, and or bringing it in chunks to our house. And I was thinking about the fact that my father-in-law was willing to do that. And I was thinking, man, that is so gracious of him, that he's willing on, his, on Saturday morning to get up super early and go across town with his daughter, son-in-law, and granddaughter. I mean, it's obviously because of them, not me. But, and pick this playset up. But even that, like, I think if we just said that he did this because of Jen and Haya, I feel like that would even kind of limit him. Because really, he has to be the type of person that would do it. He has to be the kind of dad that's willing to go do something like that. So really, grace in that situation was more a reflection of who John Jordan, who my father-in-law is, more than even what he thinks about his daughter and his granddaughter and his son-in-law. Grace reflects God's character. Grace reflects who God is. It's even beyond how he thinks of us. It's just a reflection of, man, that's what Papa God, that's what our father is like. He's gracious. He's kind. He's soft. He's lovable. He's, he's not angry and disappointed and waiting for a chance to get us. He's actually waiting for a chance to love on us. He's waiting for us to say, hey, like think if Jen had never asked him to do that. She never would have seen. We never would have experienced that grace. It takes us a step and say, Lord, and man, he's just so ready. He's so kind. He's so eager to bless us and to, um, and to be kind to us. So grace, it reflects God's character. It reveals God's character, and it's a gift, not a reward. Last couple of things. Grace can be hard to recognize. That's why Paul puts verse 7 in here. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Grace isn't one of these things that's always just like really apparent. It's something we really got to... Um, Seek God about. And Jesus said, those who are, if you knock and if you seek, you'll find. If you're thirsty and you seek, you're going to find. So we know that if we press and we say, Lord, I want to understand this. We spend time with him. 
um, the, the door is going to be open. So grace can be hard to recognize. Grace is what sustains us. Grace is what saves us, but it's also what sustains us. It is by grace you've been saved through faith. Well, listen also to what Romans says. Romans 5.2, this will be on the screen behind me. It says, Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So we don't just get into the kingdom through grace. We actually live and function in, in grace. And it's because of our union, our relationship with Jesus, that we can just live in grace. It's not just the thing that saves you. It's what sustains you. And that's what Paul is talking about to Timothy. He says, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Don't look, don't look to what you can do to be strengthened. Look to Jesus for strength. So grace is what sustains us. And the last, grace has to be received for you to get the benefit. Grace has to be received for you to get the benefit. John 1.12 says, Yet to all those who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right, he gave the authority to become children of God. So it's the work that we have to do to be saved is to receive. The work that we have to do to live in God's grace is to actually say, I receive it. It's a heart posture. It's a mindset saying, Lord, I receive your grace. Do you guys all know who Arnold Palmer is? He's like super old. So I wasn't sure if everybody knew who he was. Probably like if you're my age, you've just heard of the drink. You know, Arnold Palmer, like half sweet tea or half uh, iced tea and half lemonade. I'm just giving you a hard time, but... He, a famous, famous golfer, and the king of Saudi Arabia was opening some golf courses, and he wanted to have a famous American golfer come and kind of like christen or inaugurate these golf courses. So he reached out to Arnold Palmer. This is, you know, probably like 60 years ago. (laughs) It's old, man. (laughs) No, so... Arnold Palmer comes, plays these different golf courses. He's the first person to ever play them. It's a real privilege for the king of Saudi Arabia. He's just so blessed by it. And imagine how Arnold Palmer feels. Like he's getting treated to royal treatment all week. And it's a real privilege for him to go do this. Well, on the way to the airport, he's going back to the king's private jet, riding with the, in the king's car with the king to fly back to the United States. And the king says, Arnold... I, I really want to give you a present to thank you for coming. And of course, Arnold's like, oh, no, no, no. Like, me being here, all on your dime and in this, like, amazing, lavish country, you put me up in the nicest places, the food was amazing, you treated me just like, you know, royalty. Like, you don't need to give me a gift. You don't need to give me a gift. And the king says, no, 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 you understand I really have to, I really want to, it's part of my custom, it's part of my culture, to bless any guest with a gift. So just tell me, what do you want and I'll give it to you. Anything. Just name it and I want to give it to you. And I would imagine if I was Arnold Palmer, I'd feel a little bit like, man, I've already been getting so much. I don't, I don't want to ask for anything too outlandish. That, that's at least how I would be thinking. And so he says, okay, I would just love a special golf club. If you just give me like one of your personal golf clubs or a, uh, like, um, a collector's item of some sort of golf club, that would, that would be amazing for me. He says, okay, it's done. 
It's done. So gets home. Arnold Palmer gets on the plane, flies home. A couple weeks later, he gets a letter in the mail. And it's actually a certified document. It's certified mail. And he opens it and he realizes, oh, this is um, the deed to a golf club. He realizes, wow, this is, the, this is the deed to an entire golf course. And he's just shocked. He's like, what the heck? And he gets to the end, and there's a, there's a note in there from the king of Saudi Arabia. And he says, I hope you enjoy your golf club. <laughs> I hope you enjoy this golf club. I hope it's special enough you know, for you. And imagine if... Arnold hadn't opened that letter (laughs) if he hadn't received that mail dude God wants to give us so much more than we're even willing to ask for he is better than we can even conceive he's kinder than any person you've ever met he's more loving than the closest relationship you've ever had on earth but it starts with us saying God I receive your love I receive your unearned favor on me. I I want that. Uh, Just saying yes to it. So let's pray really quick, okay? And um, I just want to say that if you've never said yes to receiving God's grace before, this is a great time to do it. If you've never said, Jesus, I want to say yes to your grace. I want to accept you and and receive your grace. Then this is a great time. So I'm just going to pray. So Lord... I thank you so much that you're better than we can even imagine. Thank you that you set it up so that the greatest work we would ever do would just be to receive you. That every day it starts with us saying, God, I receive. So just say that with me right now. No matter where you're at, just say, God, I receive your grace. Lord, let us live in this. Plant this deep within us so that it's the place that we stay. It's the place we get our strength. It's the place that we do everything from. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. What I want to do now is take a couple moments, like my dad said, to honor Deborah Shaw. And I've actually asked a couple different people to share quick stories to honor her or like kind of what they took from her. And I I just want to call out that there's so many people in this room who are really, in, we can bring up a picture of Deborah, by the way. Um, there's so many different people in this room who are involved in Deborah's life. I mean, like, we have some of her family here this morning. Let's give it up for them. Thank you guys for being here. I just want to say this it wasn't easy deciding who to pick to share this morning about Deb, but the three people that I picked have really good stuff to say. I want to make a couple remarks first, though. You remember what we read in Timothy about being a good soldier, about being a good athlete, about being a good farmer? Deborah totally lived all that out. She lived a life of focus on one thing, and that was Jesus. She was fixated and focused on him more than anything else. She was here rain or shine, snow or sun, and it wasn't even just about being here. She took God's presence everywhere she went. She was fearless with sharing the gospel. She was fearless with praying for people. She gave sacrificially of her time, of her money, of her talents. She faithfully loved on and helped not only raise her children, but also her grandchildren. She had a tremendous impact on their life. And last thing I just want to say, my favorite thing 
about Deborah was that she was a passionate, passionate worshiper. She was a passionate worshiper of Jesus. She was the first person down here every Sunday morning worshiping. And um, she was loud. <laughs> it, like, it reminded you, oh, wait, I'm not really worshiping right now because I hear Deb across the room worshiping. <laughs> so without any, I don't want to say anything else. I just want to welcome up Jim, Barb, and Diamond. Will you guys come on up? And we're just going to take a moment for each of them to share about her. And uh, then we'll go into worship and, and also we'll receive our offering. So this is Jim Freeberg. He actually leads the Healing Rooms Ministry, good friend of Deborah's, and I'm just going to let him share first, and then you can introduce Barb, and Barb will introduce Diamond. Good morning. Tyler told me to put this up by my chin. And not... <laughs> Tyler, I'm doing what you told me. Uh, Deborah. Firecracker. In Sockham, we take a test called the APEST. And it's an acronym that stands for Apostles, Prophets, Evangelists, Shepherds, and Teachers. Deborah had a little A, a little P, a huge E for Evangelist, a big S for Shepherd. And a lot of people didn't realize it, but she had a big T for teacher because she taught us all. And she taught us what it's like to be so full of her Jesus that it just poured out of her. Everywhere she went, everyone she talked to knew that that lady loved Jesus. I don't care where you started a conversation with Deborah. In five seconds, you found yourself talking about Jesus or listening to her talk about her Jesus, <laughs> because that's the way it was. I just loved her. She, she uh, was my partner in evangelism when we went out to Winton Woods, when power evangelism was just starting here. Uh, Jamie Hasselmeyer had an event of giving ice water away on a hot July or August day at Winton Woods, and Deborah was my partner, and man, I just stood back in amazement. She had no fear, zero. She'd walk up to anybody, anytime, and just start talking about Jesus. Mm. Yeah, she was interested in, in what, how they were and all that, but she wanted to talk about Jesus. The other thing about her that I remember, and she was faithful, I also have a ministry called Drive Through Prayer. Deborah was there every chance she could get. And she was just a blessing to everyone, all of us that were part of that ministry. Awesome. In Ephesians, Paul talks about putting on the whole armor of God. And a lot of us look at that like a bat suit like Batman going to his cave, putting on his whole armor, then going out to do battle, then coming back to the cave, taking the suit off and putting it up. Deborah put the suit on, never took it off. Mm. Okay? That was her. That lady just was a powerhouse, and we all miss her. I'm glad her family's here, or part of her family's here. But... uh 
She was a special, special person. Awesome. Thanks, Jim. Now Barbara's going to share. She was also a School of Kingdom Ministry student with, which is a class we do here at the church, along with Deborah. Yeah. Uh, I had to think a little bit about what to share because I had so many just observations and um, awarenesses of Deborah. But I did get to know her through Sockham School of Kingdom Ministry, both our first year and then the second year. In the second year of Sockham, we do this thing called a kingdom project. And so I was a project leader, and I had the good, good uh, grace to have Deborah on my team. So as Jim was talking about, we all got this assessment to see what our strengths were, and Deborah was our evangelist for this project. The photo you're seeing back here, that was taken at the outreach that we did. Uh, What we were doing was uh, ministering to, loving on um, people in Price Hill, primarily sex workers, but also just anybody that God would bring around us as we were right there in Price Hill. And what I observed in Deborah was just this nonstop dynamo, is a really good word for her, um, finding people to pray with and for Um, And when she was praying with them, it was this combination of deep, deep love in her heart for them and her deep, deep love of Jesus. And it was quiet. It was intense. Sometimes it was as if when she was praying, I mean, we had all these young people coming by, young men, young women, many of whom looked like they were... um, probably on drugs at the time. And she would just speak to them truth and love and grace and then pray and Mm. then pray some more. And when she wasn't praying, she was walking up and down Warsaw Avenue claiming the ground for Jesus and telling evil to get out (laughs) because that's who who Deborah was. And she, she was little, right? Kind of short. Small package, and I think that whole package was filled with heart. You know, my heart's probably about as big as my fist. I think her heart filled her whole body. Mm. And that was Jesus in her, through her, the Holy Spirit moving through her. Um, Just an amazing, amazing woman. Another thing I was thinking of is when she was talking and praying with these young people, it was like she was someone's favorite, you know, grandma, grandmother, just being wise and loving and caring and sharing Jesus with them. I miss her laugh that absolutely filled her whole body. I, lift, I miss how she would just cry out, thank you, Jesus, when we were praying. Um, I learned a lot from her. So, mm. so now, it's your turn. So this is Diamond, Deb's granddaughter. Deborah's granddaughter. It is truly an honor to be her granddaughter. It was so much that lady has taught me. And I wouldn't be up here today if it wasn't for her. (laughs) Um, There's four things I have wrote down that she's taught me. 
She taught me to have fun and loosen up. One time I went to homecoming and I didn't want to go. She's like, get out of here. You're always in the house. (laughs) And I was like, okay. So I went. Uh, She taught me not to complain. I mean, I just kept going on and on about my job. And she was like, oh, just shut up about it. <laughs> and just, if you're going to do something about it, do it. Be quiet. <laughs> and also, she taught me to walk in love fully, not halfway. Don't love anyone halfway. Love them fully. Because that's what Jesus would do. Mm. And she taught me how to exalt God. Just praise him before you pray. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory. Yeah, I, I just thank, I really thank God for allowing me to be her granddaughter. She wasn't just, just a grandma. She was the best friend, my sister. I would just sit and talk with her every, almost every day, every hour, just talking with her, walking around places, Praying for people. She will always put me on the spot. <laughs> but I am, I am really thankful for her doing that. It's awesome. And thank you, God, so much. Let's just give it up for Deborah one more time. Thanks, guys. Thank you guys for coming up and sharing. You can grab a seat. We're going a slight, we're going a little over this morning, but that's okay. It's important to honor the people who've gone before us and to remember them and to, and to carry on their legacy. So what I want to do now is welcome the ushers to come on down to receive the offering. If you're kind of scrambling, don't worry. There's a couple of different ways you can give. You can give through the app, which is Vineyard Northwest. Yeah? Oh, happy birthday, Diamond. Perfect day for Diamond Honor Deb. So before we start receiving the offering, I just want to tell you, there's two boxes in the back you can drop your offering in if you miss the basket. There's envelopes. You can make the check out to Vineyard Northwest. And you can also give on our app, which makes it really simple. But we're going to go into a time of worship now. You guys can go ahead and start receiving the offering. There's a basket down at the, sorry, I'm totally butchering this right now. The furthest most left seat in the aisle, if you're all the way on the left, there's a basket under you. Grab that and pass it down. That'd be great. Um, But yeah, we're going to worship now and honor Jesus and remember Deb as we do that. So um, I think it'd be cool if we just started singing one of Deb's favorite worship songs. Just the chorus, it's a king of my heart, you are good. So if you guys want to stand, we'll sing that together. You are good. 